good. Okay. <laughs> this is the South. We like, this is my, what, designing women when they were uh, Bernice's niece wanted to put her away, have her put away, and uh, Julia says, uh, "You understand, this is the South. In the South, we don't ask if you have uh, crazy people in your family. We ask." Which, oh, she's, first of all, she said, we don't put our crazy people in the back room and hide them. We put them in the front room and show them off. <laughs> and so she said, well, which side are the crazy people in your family? She said, both. <laughs> oh, well, are we already on the world wide web? I shouldn't be talking about designing women. All right. Um, it is a beautiful day. I'm glad that you're here, and uh, we're already in agreement. Our, you know, we live in agreement. It just This morning, I probably... While I was getting ready, I probably got texts from seven or eight different people who needed agreement for different things. And I'm just like, agreed, agreed, agreed. I'm, you know, m most of them don't even come to Metron, but it's like, all right, if you need my agreement, I'll agree with that. And, and, and uh, it's just important. It's important to be in a zone with people, and I certainly am in the zone with you. I love you so much and appreciate Never take for granted that you guys drive over here, especially on beautiful April days when you could justify taking a walk in the park, but there's, there's still plenty of time to walk and do all that kind of stuff. Since we are already in agreement, let's please uh, play the intro for our YouTube audience. And we Hello, and welcome to Metron. Metron means measure and sphere of influence, and we want to help you find your Metron through motivation, enlightenment, transcendence, renewal, outreach, and networking. We're excited to have you here today, and hope you enjoy the service. Good morning. Welcome, welcome to Metron. Glad that you're here. Give yourselves a big hand. Welcome to the YouTube audience, wherever you are on planet Earth or whatever planet you're on. We welcome you. Um, glad that it's April. I've got, uh, today's going to be a, I mean, this whole month's going to be a little different, and I'll tell you about it uh, when I come up to speak. But um, I'm always happy when we can have uh, Marshall Ruffin. He's just one of my favorites. We, we had uh, dinner with Jeremy Lopez and some friends last night, and he said, I want to come to Metro, and I want to come when that guy with the beard is there. I said, well, he's there tomorrow. Y'all could spend the night and could come in the morning. He said, oh, they, they have dogs. I have to get back for it. But uh, you know how that is, dogs and cats. But um, we'll, we'll only be here three weeks this month, and Marshall will be here for all three of those weeks. He may. Uh, he has other engagements going on, so he might not be able to stay for the service, but that doesn't mean he's offended at anything I say. <laughs> uh, if you ever get a chance to uh, go hear him in concert, it's really a whole other experience, and uh, you should definitely follow him on Instagram and Facebook and, and uh, keep up with his awesome career. But he's certainly been a friend to Metron for several years now, and uh, it's always good when he's here. He never He never disappoints, always brings something very special to the mix, and I know you love him like I do. Without any further ado, would you please welcome the one, the only, Marshall Ruffin.
I will meet you in the morning by the bright riverside where all sorrow has drifted away. I will stand there at the portal where the gates are open wide at the close of life's long weary day. I'll meet you in the morning with a how do you do and we'll sit down by the river and our rapture acquaintance renew oh you will know know me in the morning know me by the smile those smiles that I wear, I will meet you in that morning in the city before square. I will meet you in the morning at the end of the day I will exchange this old cross for a crown there will be no more disappointment and no one shall die in the land where the sun's going down I'll meet you in the morning with a how do you do and we'll sit down by that river and our raptured acquaintance renew you know me in the morning by the smiles that I wear In the city built for other time of day. Every morning I have seen, every afternoon that I have seen, has been long and has been lean. From back when mama cooked her hope into the family pan, washed it out with her feet in the sand. Papa sold his field in a barren plate. Brothers and sisters faded away. But I remain here reverently 
Yeah, the Holy Ghost got plans for me. Said every single morning I have read the only book that is better than bread for putting back a power to a withering hand burying the burden of a wandering man said even though my path it has been so hard to find it's been covered in the earth has been covered in the vine well i know that the way is the remedy yes the holy ghost got plans for me i said keep your eyes to the sun we are seekers everyone and though our time is sure to end in elegy oh fear no death by beast or man for the shores of the promised land those repentant and redeemed are bound to see oh, oh, oh say even though my blessings they may be few there's got to be some good working left to do so i will raise the reverie yes the holy ghost got plans for me i said keep your eyes to the sun raise your voices everyone till they're ringing out over every corner of stone and sea for soon that chariot will roll on down the lane as the angels all hollering out thy name to please the ear with him in raising verity said even though my blessings they may be few lord knows there's got to be some good working left to do oh i will wait here reverently yes the holy ghost got plans for me i said even though my blessings they may be few lord knows there's got to be some good working left to do oh i will wait here reverently Yes, the Holy Ghost got plans for me.
I'm, uh, I'm trying to remember which one it is. Ah! Well, the moon is open and the sky is cracked. Come on up to the house. The only thing you can see is all that you lack. Just come on up to the house. When all your fussing and your fighting don't do you no good come on up to the house you better get down off your cross because we could use the wood oh come on up to the house you better come on up to the house oh you better come on up to the house lord the world is not Passing through, I gotta get on up to the house. Mm. When there's no light in the tunnel, there's no irons in the fire. Come on up to the house. When you've been singing lead soprano in the drunk man's choir, just get on up to the house. Did that last night. When you're high on top of your mountain of woe, come on up to the house. Oh, when you know you should surrender, but you can't let go. Get on up to the house. Oh, you better come on up to the house. Oh, you better come on up to the house. Lord, the world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I gotta get on up to the house. When the seas are stormy 
and you can't find no port come on up to the house mm. ah. when there's nothing in the world that you can do come on up to the house when you've been whipped by the forces that are inside you come on up to the house 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 Oh, the world is not my home I'm just passing through The world is not my home I'm just passing I'm just passing through The world is not my home I'm just passing through I gotta get on Up to the house On up to the house Oh, the world is not my home I'm just passing through I gotta get on Up to the house Marshall Ruffin! Yay! Good stuff. Thank you. I love it. Good stuff. I, you kept looking up. I was wondering, are the lyrics on the ceiling? <laughs> Always good. What'd you say? <laughs> you may be seated. And uh, Marshall will be back with us uh, next week, so that'll be great. Um, two or three things. First of all, thank you for last week. Uh, again, thank you to uh, Avery for uh, putting everything together for my birthday. I appreciate that. And uh, thank you all for your uh, cards and uh, and gifts and everything. I truly appreciate it. And, you know, I can't <laughs> it's funny because... Uh, Wednesday night we went out with Judah and Jonah and their girlfriends and so there was another <laughs> another little celebration and then last night some friends had us over I I don't even think it I'm thinking birthday's over they come bringing out uh, a cake again <laughs> you know for the people who say I'm over celebrated I'm like I I'm not asking for this I can't help strangers just bring me cake uh, I don't know <laughs> it just it just seems to happen a lot but uh yeah, it was it was good too, Lord. You know, and every everybody at the table is just having a taste, and you want to go, oh yeah, I'll put I'll put my fork down too. You know that you think like I could eat this whole. Y'all look over there. I could eat this whole cake and go. What happened? <laughs> that moment when you realize you're the only one at the table still eating. Oh, I guess I guess we're done. <laughs> I always say that when somebody's I could not eat another bite, and I'm like. 
Oh, yeah, me, me neither. <laughs> but anyway, thank you. Uh, I think I thanked everybody individually, but if I didn't, please know that I read every card and um, really appreciate your gifts. Um, remember that, uh, was it, well, two weeks from today is um, Easter. And uh, the Sunday before that is we're actually going to do a little something for Ken's birthday because it'll be the a few days before his his birthday falls on um, Good Friday this year. So uh, be aware of that. And um, then the last Sunday of the month, twenty eighth, will be in Gwinnett County at uh, Inspire. And <laughs> uh, Zach Keo texted me, so I'm coming to coming to Atlanta. to be at Metron on the 28th, I said, no, you're not. <laughs> We're not going to be there. So I'm glad you texted. So he's going to come up and meet us up there. But uh, anyway, I'm really looking forward to that. Greg's doing an extraordinary job and, of course, is um, one of the state representatives now. And he's still, pa it's not just pastoring a church. It re really inspires more than a church. It's, um, it's a ministry that uh, transitions people out of homelessness. I don't mean they just make dinner for them. I mean, they get GEDs and get jobs and it's 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 he's been doing this for several years now and has a amazing success uh record uh our uh do we have anything for the year of living your best life 19 uh oh Charles I saw it I, I, I saw your post Charles I need to talk to you we'll we'll, we'll believe uh I did post some vegetable plates but I guess they didn't make them anyway uh, be in agreement with Charles for the situation with their automobile. Uh, so I, I couldn't tell if your if your uh, hashtag was sarcastic or or hopeful. I was, uh, which one? <laughs> which one is it? Your it's hopeful. Okay, we'll go. We'll go with that then. Uh, hey, Patty, it's good to see you. Um, and then our outreach this month. I want to. It's it's one we've done before, but I want to explain to you uh, why we do it. I, I want to make our outreach the movement this month, and I just texted Judah and asked him if it's, if it's okay that I talk about this, and he and he said yeah. And I told him I would be discreet in how I said it. Last week, um, I don't remember. It, it wasn't that it was what I think the best Sunday we've ever had. I don't think necessarily it was the best message I've ever spoken, but I don't remember a day when there was more synchronicity. And confirmation, just I mean, to a point that it was, am I imagining this or wh whatever? Because there were things Judah and I hadn't talked about, and yet there was a way we were communicating through his songs and through what I was saying, and other uh, just a hundred little minor confirmations that, if if I ever doubted that synchronicity and serendipity exist, last week would have convinced me. It was, without overstating it, it was profound, and a lot of things shifted last week. And, uh, you know, Judah's been doing the, the movement for he, about as long as we've been doing Metron. And they, they've been on a little hiatus uh, only because they've been in East Atlanta, but only because their place facility wasn't available anymore. And so he's been using this time to decide if maybe he needed to look at something else. He's, he's never ended it. And his, um, uh, I keep wanting to say inspired. Ignite is his 501c3, and I know some of you are partners with that, and I certainly, as a father, I certainly appreciate that. So that ministry is the umbrella, just like General Holy Ministries is the umbrella over uh, Metron. So uh, for the last, I don't know how long, he's been 
uh, a lot's been happening with him interviewing at churches and I mean like all over the United States as far as California and uh, one of them in Florida that was a, a mega church he wouldn't have been the senior pastor but it was a mega church and he was going to be on staff and just it seems like every time there's a snag and it's it's not necessarily the dots aren't necessarily connected back to me but they kind of are because in in any I don't care how hip the church is somebody's going to ask how are you with your dad what do you think about gay marriage do you think it's just it's just going to be a he's just going to run into that in every situation to to the point that I've told him I said just tell I don't throw me under the bus but don't I mean I had a very famous uncle who closed a lot of doors for me so I know what that's like when people cancel meetings on you because of who you're you know uh, related to whatever and I don't ever want to be that person to the point that I've actually reined him in on times when he's gotten too defensive for me. I'm like, just don't go have your ministry. I'm fine. Don't, you know, they're just idiots. Don't, don't. But anyway, um, you know, last week I said something about, I made some, because there was a something that, as far as I knew, was definite. And they were excited about it and, um, uh, I took cues for him not to say more about it than I should have, but they uh, had looked on his uh, Facebook page and saw in an interview that somebody asked him, do you think gay people can be in church leadership? And he said yes, and that was a deal breaker for them. So they said, no, you can't. We don't, we, you know, so it, they just canceled everything. And it really, you know, it really hit him hard because they, he thought they had covered all of that. You know, to, to the point I had even told him, I said, look, if it's unlikely in this small town that a same-sex couple is ever going to want to get married in that church, but even if they did, you're out is just to say, look, this is the, I'm just hired here. This is the church's policy, and you could go marry. So it's not even going to happen, but don't let it, you know, you've, you've, gotta, you've got to have your ministry and make a living and whatever. And uh, so last week, just... The, his song choices and everything it's re, it, the this isn't just true for him but the, it's it doesn't happen with every artist of the month every week but it's happened so many times in the last what four and a half years nearly five years it really is it's just amazing and don't ever forget how regardless of how many people are here or not here something supernatural has happened in this little theater again and again and again and again that I'm not grandiose enough to say that it's changed the whole world, but it's changed something, and it's changed a lot of us. And uh, you know, anyway, after the um, uh, service last week, we went over, we had lunch, and I was asking him. I said, "What?" I said, "I'm getting the vibe that something happened with that church. What's going on?" And he told me, and there he had another interview coming up out of state and he he all went ahead and wrote them and said look if this you know this is my dad if this is going to be a deal breaker can we just you know let's just save ourselves the trouble before I go through all of this and we get you know you know what that's like when you're looking for a job and you don't know what it is and you're, you're like I'm open to whatever but we're just going to have to make a decision somewhere and I said Judah you're going to you're just going to that's the nature of church world I mean it just is uh, it, it's full of racism and xenophobia and homophobia and misogyny it just is and that's not 
that's not my sour grapes. I'm just telling you, there is a certain mindset that has nothing to do with Jesus. It's cultural. It's so weird. Like this week, somebody, I'm getting to my point, but somebody who used to go to church then now wrote, they had a theological question that asked me. and It was fine, but it was, it was basically an unanswerable question. And, uh, you know, her, her response was, I'm stuck on this. I said, well, you're in good company. Every theologian who's ever written a book is stuck on that issue. There's no way I can answer that for you in a messenger thread. There's been volumes written on that. It had to do with uh, if God knows everything, if, if God has foreknowledge, then how do we have free will? Well, theologians, I mean, I wrote term papers about that, and that, there's no answer to that. And um, she said, uh, I'm not sure my daughter believes in God, and I was trying to explain it to her. I said, well, you can't intellectualize God. I said, you know the best response to that question is, wow, that's a great question. <laughs> and, then, and then let people work out their own. Because I don't have the answer for that, but my point is, she said, but do you have a scripture for it? And that happens a lot. People will ask me, yeah, but do you have a scripture for it? Because the Bible answers everything. I'm like, no, it doesn't. I love the Bible, but there's not an answer for everything in the Bible. And it's, it's like, I, I, I mean, I use it to validate my point sometimes, but it's not the end of every argument. And, the idea, and it's not supposed to be. Those Bible writers would be horrified to see the way that people have created a golden calf out of this collection of books by these 40 men. It's just... It's just amazing what, peop what people made the Bible. I mean, like they worship the Bible more than they worship God. And, and that's what I was telling Jude. I said, you're just going to run into this everywhere. And he said, well, I just know I probably need to stay with my own thing. Started up and he said, I, I feel like, and I would never do this without your, uh, you know, your thumbs up. But he said, Conyers and Covington is home to me. I mean, it's not, you know, you weren't born here, but I was. You didn't go to school here, but I did. And he said, I feel like I don't want to ever complicate things for you or whatever. But he said, I just feel like I'm supposed to do something out there, but I, I have to have your okay. And I said, Judah, absolutely. Huh? <laughs> I said, you absolutely. I said, one thing is for sure, and I've made peace with this. There are some people who, if if you said, Jesus of Nazareth is going to be doing a live public appearance in Atlanta. They would go, you know, I can't I'm afraid to drive in Atlanta. I mean, they're just, it is such an I mean, I finally surrendered to it. I'm like, they are just, there is this. They even last Friday night, I was out in Eatonton and the, the server came up to our table. I guess she was a friend of Ken's. And she said, oh, I love your pictures. I love you all take pictures of your, your skyline or whatever. I'd love to go to Atlanta sometime. And I said, you've never been to Atlanta? And she goes, oh, no, I'm scared to go to Atlanta. And I'm like, I think y'all are, I mean, you, you had a situation with your kids in Henry County where the back window of their truck was, I, I can't tell you the crime that goes on in, in Rockdale and Newton counties and, and, even out in eating I mean it's crime is everywhere but but people have this idea that once you get in the city limits like you know crazy people start climbing into your car and I, I'm tired of arguing with them I'm like yeah you're right it is it's in we it's insane I don't know how we live in it you know <laughs> they, they, these are my people what can I tell you traffic oh yeah you can't possibly drive If you've ever been on 138 in Conyers on a Saturday, you don't ever need to say nothing about no traffic. 
nothing. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so anyway, um, I said, you know, the thing is, I said, you do have some kind of heritage out there. And I said, I've been there. Even, you know, last week when I was talking about posting the pictures and being good with it, he didn't know. It was just, it was amazingly synchronistic because he didn't know that that had happened to me. Because even what I taught about how you have to look at every season of your life and be fine with it, whatever. I said, I really, dude, I really meant that. I said, I'm at peace with Conyers and Covington. It's, my season is over with there, but I'm at peace there with out there and with the memory of it I don't want the memory of it to be uh, lost and I said furthermore you more than I mean I can say this for Jonah as well but definitely for Judah uh, I mean he has a heritage out there I mean he when other kids were having a childhood somewhere he was in that church every day you know working on stuff and I mean he grew up there and uh, really you know as as much as Debbie did helped me build that uh, church and for and you know, when uh, 401 was at its height, there was hundreds of kids that would come out there on a Wednesday night that I had no relationship with. He was their full-time pastor, and I can tell you, he was he was my uh, in a long line of youth pastors, and I'm not just saying this because he was my son. He's the best one that I ever hired. Uh, he's the only one I had that would take kids on retreats where there was no drama because every other one, I finally, at a certain point, I thought, I'm going to shut down these retreats because every time... These people go on one. There's like, it's a horror show. And with Judah, it somehow, he brought order to it. And it was, was well, okay, that's good. So I, t- I told him, it was, a, it was kind of an emotional moment. And I said, you know, um, I said, let me, I'm saying all this to say that our outreach this month is the movement. And I want to tell you why. And I'm not trying to steal his thunder because he's wanting to start on Easter Sunday. And they, and that's soon. And I, I'm telling you, I did the same thing when I started what was then Word of Faith, I was in the uh, Word of Faith Assembly of God, I went to Macon, which is where our headquarters was, and I got the approval to start a church because the assemblies had uh, a little bit of money set aside in uh, an account for a church in Conyers because there had been uh, an Assembly of God church there years ago that had dissolved and the money sale from that building was in an account. So that's really why, I mean, I I could tell you God spoke to me out of a dream, but he didn't. There was... That was the reason. It was clo- I lived in Snow Mountain. It was the closing. It was that was before they built Stonecrest, and they were expecting it to become a real boom town or whatever. So it made sense. And I remember when I went to get approval. This is back in 1985. The superintendent said, because typically their idea to plant a church was you would do you would do like a year's study and you canvass the area and they would support you. And that was never my. I'm I always lived in the now. And they said, when do you want to start? I said, well. Um, I'd like to start on Pentecost Sunday. And they said, that's three weeks from today. I said, I know. <laughs> and, and I didn't know if anybody would show up that day. And, you know, I had 54 the first Sunday. And I had 70 the next Sunday. I had 100 the third Sunday. And then I had 125. Then I had, you know, and, and then in a couple of months we uh, bought property. And then my wife at the time filed for divorce. And th- that started a whole chain reaction of things that, you know, I have just finally recovered from it. I mean, my life's been in, <laughs> you know, while I've been building a mega church, I was also dealing with a lot of stuff. I remember going to uh, the doctor to talk about stress, and th- there was a list of, of like seven things that kill you, and I had six of them. He actually said, I- I've never, he said, I don't know how, how are you even alive? I said, 
Well, I felt better till you said that. Now I'm thinking, oh my God, how am I alive? Anyway, uh, I said, just if you, I said, if you want to start on Easter, just start. I said, even if you don't have a building, just you'll figure it out. You have to just go ahead and decide, because that's what I did. And when they uh, approved me that afternoon in Macon, I drove to Conyers and looked around, and I found that first little building on uh, Royal Drive, which it, there still is an assembly of God there. The, the Father's house has been there for years. Tim Hogg I went to uh, uh, college with me. So I'm used to just striking, you know, while the iron's hot. And so I told him, I said, if that's what you want to do, do it. There's a lot of people out there. And uh, I said, D- as far as it affecting Metron, I'm not worried about that. I said, I don't own people. If, it, if, people, if, that, if you think that you're more comfortable being there, that's, I never want to get into a thing like that because I kind of went through that with my dad when I started the church and I left Faith Memorial and it got awkward for people because some people wanted to go with me and they didn't want to hurt my parents' feelings, whatever. And it never got really bad, but it was, it was awkward. I don't want to do that. Judah and I are on each other's side. And so I told him, I said, when, and I want him to do well. And I said, I, I told him last week, I said, when you are ready to do it, let me write something about it and let me, because he even said, I'll call it Church of the Now if you want. And I said, no, it's Church of the Now, that's my word. You're, you're, you already have the movement and that's associated with you. I, I said, just move what you already have that you've already paid your dues on that I have nothing to do with. Go do that. And if there is an audience of people that are not going to drive to Atlanta for you or for me or for Jesus or for the Holy Ghost or they're, they're just... Not, I, I, I see the look of panic on the face. Oh, I could never drive it. I don't know what they think it is. I don't know. It's the craziest thing. But anyway, I'm, I've made peace with that. It's like, that's, that's the mentality they live in. Fine. And um, I, I'm, I'm not wanting to steal his thunder. And the only reason I'm saying it is, you know, he's been a part of Metron since we started it. And I really appreciate I know when he's here. And I know this is true for Jonah as well. I know some of y'all bless him or whatever, and, th- and thank you. That means a lot. As a father, I really appreciate that. And, you know, my kids have gone through a lot and have never acted out. You know, I mean, they've never, we, it, it's amazing how well they've navigated radical changes in their life, just r- radical. And they've never felt sorry for themselves or whatever. And they're, you know, they're all different. I have different relationships with all of them. Some of them more different than others, but it's all good. And um, so I thought, well, all right, then I, I want, I want ev- everybody to know, including everybody here, that I'm good with this. I think timing is everything. Um, I'm glad that this last thing happened because it just, you know, you get to a certain point. It's like with the with the prodigal son where it says he came to himself and realized, wait, what am I, do- what am I doing? Why am I... Why am I begging religious people to approve of something that I already know is the truth? And uh, so as I consider it a, a blessing that that happened and consider it a blessing that you know it now before you got, you know, connected to them and built relationships with them. So it's all good. And the t- I said, I don't know if this had happened a year ago, if I'd have been fine with it. But I mean, this past year, and I, and I don't discount that meditation has been a, a big part of this. I'm I'm just... I'm so at peace with everything. I think I said this to you last week, but I, I keep seeing in my um, memories something will come up that I wrote five, six, seven years ago. And it's never bad, but I can tell something had just gone down because that's why I'm writing it. 
you know, to whom it may concern. I mean, you know, and I think I don't even, God, I'm not even that guy anymore. I don't even think like that. And uh, I don't live in that constant contention with people. Even last night, I, I don't remember a time in my life where I've been in a more serendipitous zone. Even last night, it was a group of, you saw the picture, a little dinner party. And I, there's one of them, this gentleman is a pastor in Alabama who I just know a, a little bit. I know him and his partner, him and his husband. Uh, and I had no idea that he was about to be connected with this other ministry that I'm just telling an anecdote about that was a word to him. And he said, that really happened? I said, yeah. Well, I had no idea until afterwards. I said, wow. I said, I, if I had known that, I would have never said anything. He said, no. And he, Jeremy's a friend of his. He said, Jeremy said, I intentionally did not tell him that because I knew, you know. And I said, I apologize. They said, no, no, no. You have no idea how in the flow you are. And I, I don't know. There's some, something has happened this year that I'll just go say something off the, cu- off the cuff to somebody. And they're like. Oh, my God, I can't believe you just... I mean, that's always kind of happened in my ministry. Now it just happens every day in conversation. Like, strangers are like, wow, how did you know that or whatever? I'm like, I didn't know I knew it. Like, no, but nobody nobody knows that. And, you know, that prophecy that I actually started the church out of, which, you know, the prophet has said, you, you know, people will say, surely the man has been in my bedchamber for nobody knows that I've said this or done this. And, uh that was what 34 years ago and it's it's for it's that prophecy is confirmed now more than ever and it was confirmed last week with Judah so I know the planets kind of lined up for this and he doesn't have any grandiose ideas about I mean it's you know Karen knows who I'm talking about I have a cousin who used to be involved in a mega ministry who who came to Atlanta to start something in their now I think they're meeting in their living room, you know, because and I and I'm not gloating over that. I'm just saying it's a different time now. Like what you what you thought it was back in the day, it's not that now. And people don't feel like they have to go to church. And there's there's uh, you know, I started church in the now kind of on the end of the cusp of that move where you could start churches and they could do well. And I I nearly think that season is over with. There's the mega churches that are already established and they are nearly a, an entity under themselves. But trying to get into that system now and start something, it's the way the political climate is and everything, it's, it's definitely impossible to have a multicultural church. In, in, I mean, de- definitely, because black Jesus and white Jesus are so, they're complete different. They weren't so much years ago, but they are now. I mean, they, they are. I mean, you, you know, I've gone to white seminars where they're, they're, talk, they're talking about Barack Obama being the Antichrist. I've gone to black seminars where they're talk, you know, talking about Donald Trump being the devil, and I think, wow, I don't know, how, how, do, you, how do you reconcile that? Those are two very different ideologies, and y'all are both using the Bible to back up your position. I don't know how you're going to do it. And, um, huh? <laughs> but, um, so anyway, I've already said... Have I said too much? There's nothing more I can think of to say to you. You know, that's from a show. I feel like sometimes I sing show tunes and you're like, what are you talking about? It's a show. Um, so anyway, I texted him. I said, look, I'm going to, he didn't know. I said, I'm going to make the movement, the outreach this month. Is it okay if I say something about it? 
And he said, well, I'm still waiting for the confirmation. He, he feels maybe more of a connection to Covington than Conyers. And, and I know for me, Covington was much easier to work with than Conyers was. I don't know what it is, but Covington just had a different vibe to it. I don't know why. I can't explain because they're, they're sister cities. What? But it's just, I don't know if that's been your experience, but Covington just, uh, I, I had to fight the whole time I was in Conyers. Covington just opened the doors and, and you know, really welcomed me. And I, it's just, who knows? So we'll see. And, Judah, if you hear this, I hope, I hope you're okay with all that I said, but this is your family. And, um, and you know, everybody wants the best for all of us. And, um, you know, I'm to a place now, I don't know, I don't know how that will affect this because I know most of y'all live out there. And, uh, you know, I want you to follow your heart about what's going to happen. And uh, because I'm ready for whatever. I was telling these guys last night about the meditation weekend. I can't believe they didn't know. They all are friends with me on Facebook. How did y'all, I mean, I'm posting about it all the, I always think I'm over advertising and then I'll have a conversation and think, well, apparently not. They're like, oh my God. We've got to go to that. That's the most awesome thing. We have never heard of anything so great. I'm like, well, I'm not the only one that does it. You know, I was telling them about, you know, some of the other gurus or whatever that do meditation weekends. I'm like, but for us, it's really awesome. And we still love Jesus, but, man, it's good to get quiet and get into nature. And, you know, just this week, I realized that somebody who doesn't even come to Metro wanted to come to the this next one. And they text me about it, and I thought, oh, I haven't even started the thread yet. So I, I started it. Let me know. if it, We already have the, like within a day, I already had the number of the last one that's going on this one. So this, will, this one will be the most successful one we've done yet, and it's going to be extraordinary. I'm really excited about it. I love all the other ones, but there's nothing like going to the beach. The, the beach has a whole energy to it. Love the mountains. Stone Mountain was great like, you know, a couple weeks ago. But that beach. Jekyll and St. Simons, especially Sunrise, my God, I've never, it's, it's transformational out there. I don't know what it is. I guess because you're facing east. Uh, I don't know, but it's, it's amazing. Anyway, um, so that's going to be our outreach for the month. And... Um, I'm assuming he'll, once he gets a confirmation about a building, he'll post about it. But I, I just wanted you to hear it from me first. I'm good with it. I support it. I think it's great. It's for, uh, there's confirmation everywhere. And um, I'm just open right now. I'm in a real, uh, in one sense, I'm very kind of, not grounded, but, uh, you know, my being an only child is a lot when you have two you know, parents with special needs. That's why I told you a few months ago, my mom looked at me, she's telling me all that they're going through. She said, this is too much. We should have had more children. I said, well, it's a little late for that. Thanks thanks for thinking of it now. You know, because I've even told Ken, I said, at least with your parents, it didn't happen at the same time with them. And even though you were the principal caretaker, you do have a brother who will come in and at least, but I said, you have no idea when it's both of them and you're the only one. It's like, holy, holy. It's a lot. So right now, I'm, you know, I, I've got to deal with that. Um, but I'm also open to, you know, what's going on? And don't, don't underestimate that we've opened ourselves up to a lot of possibilities.
you know, there may come a time, I don't know, it's, at some point, it, I kind of said this when we started Metron, there may come a time where the same way I do a thread for meditation, all of our services might come become that way at one time. Can you imagine if I said, all right, this is where we're going to be next week, you know, like they have, they have those pop-up shops, we could have pop-up church, and wouldn't that be cool and exciting, and you'd have to be like, where are y'all meeting? Like, we, we don't know yet. I'll give you. <laughs> and so I don't know. I, I'm, just, I'm just saying it, it, everything's possible. They love us here at this theater, and we could be here, you know, indefinitely. Uh, and I love this theater. I even, I went to, uh, I had to go to the doctor this week, and, he's, and he, he was talking to me. He said, I'm not really sure what you do. So I was kind of explaining to him and everything. He said, so where do you meet now? And I, he said, you have you rent space? I said, no, we're in theater. He said, you mean Landmark? I said, yeah. Oh, that's great. He said, is it a church? I said, well, not really. So I'm trying to explain what Metron is. He said, but you meet on Sundays, like at 11. I said, yeah. He said, it's a church. I said, okay, Dr. Hoke, it's a church. Are you happy? I don't know what, I don't know how to, it's manna. I don't, they never did come up with a name for it. Every, every day they ate it and said, we don't know what it is, but it fed us. You say, did your bishop preach a good sermon today? I don't know what he did. I don't know. But I'm not hungry anymore. I mean, he got up there and told some stories we've heard before, and he said some funny stuff, and there's a couple of scriptures thrown in there. And I don't, know, I don't know what he did, but I'm good. I'm good for the week. I can't explain it. I don't know what I do either. People say, are you, are you a preacher? I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm a what is it? <laughs> I'm manna. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Um, no, no, that was a different doctor. That was a doctor out in Conyers. This is a doctor in Atlanta. <laughs> All right. Was that everything I needed to say? Okay. Are we ready for the uh, podcastians? Welcome to Metron Live podcast coming to you from beautiful historic midtown atlanta in the month of april it's beautiful metron people welcome the podcast people i'm not going to do a series this month i want to open myself up to be a channel um right now i'm in a space where i feel like spirit has immediate things to say that I can't pre-plan. I have a little bit of structure. I want to show you a, a scripture and a quote, but I don't want to overthink where this is going. This isn't premeditated today, and I feel very um, instructed by the voice that's in me to just open myself up and let another dimension speak through me. And um, and I know you're ready for that. But I... I I'm going to call it this, just so for the sake of, of uh, labels. Uh, I'm calling it New Thoughts, Opening the Windows of Perception to Let the Spirit Wind Blow. I'm going to show you a verse of Scripture in a moment, but I'm, I'm thinking a lot about perception right now because most of you that follow me see I post a lot of pictures of the windows in my loft and the view that I have, which is I actually bought that loft in 2003. And um, Debbie lived there for a while. Judah lived there when he was going to Kennesaw State. I've, I've been there for se seven or eight years now. But um, 
what made me buy it was the view. It's just I love the view. It was the it's a it's a mid rise. It's I'm on the seventh floor. I'm on the top floor. I love seven, so I liked living on the seventh floor. And as soon as I walked in, it was the I bought the model. And when I saw the, I, I loved the view. It just made me happy when I saw it. I said I, I'll take it. And at the time, we had uh, saved a certain amount of money and put aside, and the down payment for it was to the penny of what we had saved. So it was like in just a matter of hours, this whole thing worked out. And a lot of my contemporaries were buying cabins in the mountains or places on the beach. And at the time, my parents had a uh, great place in uh, Panama City. So I really wasn't interested in buying something on the beach. I, I wanted, you know, I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I love Atlanta. I mean, this is this is my home. I used to run track meets across the street at uh, uh, Grady High School. I mean, I, you know, my first sermon was preached around the corner here on the corner of Ponce and Piedmont. I mean, this was I was born three blocks from here. This is this is I, I love it. I've been all over the world, but this is my home. If it's not your home, fine, you go where you. But this is this is where I'm happiest. It's where I feel like myself. I I love. I mean. Obviously, I love my husband. I love my kids. What, you know, I don't think any of them would be surprised to hear me say Atlanta really is the great love of my life. I mean, I've, I just, I, I think it's um, synchronistic that I was born here. I think there's prophetic um, significance to it. Uh, I just, I, I love this city. I mean, we yesterday the, uh, I didn't even know the new. Whole Foods had opened until you posted something about it. So we drove by there yesterday. And, uh, you know, I can think of three different things that were on that corner when I was growing up. Uh, oh, yeah, it was, uh, we had a big time. Um, I remember on their, that spot, there used to be a, a coffee house called 12th Gate. And we, I used to go there and preach. And I used to, some of the first people I ever led to the Lord was right on that sidewalk out there. And so, I mean, there's, I live in a, a place where I can nearly, I can drive down, especially around Midtown, there's no place you can point to that I couldn't tell you five, six, seven anecdotes about it. This week I went to get my car washed over there on uh, Ponce, and I've been getting my car washed there for years. Before that building was there was uh, a bank where I, uh, no, bef before it was first a bank where I first opened my first checking account, then it became Channel 36, and I used to do the Bob Gast Breakfast Club on there. Now it's a car wash. I mean, I've lived here long enough that I remember three different realities on that one corner. Now, when I bought my loft, one reason I bought it is the way the, the um, 7585 connector is uh, configured, I, I didn't think anybody could ever block my view because there's no, there's no way you could build a building there. And so for all these years, I've had, like, this is what I see, and I look at it every morning, I look at it every night. I mean, I just, I, I love it. A view, my, where I live is very small, but I love a view more than anything. I, I mean, I live in a cracker box if I can see, I, I always want to see. I don't even really like heights, but I, I like being able to see. And so when I, when I wake up, I look, and like, there's the Coca-Cola building, and there's uh, Georgia Tech, and there's uh, Bobby Dodd Stadium. I remember when the Rolling Stones were there a few years ago. I opened the 
window and got a free concert. I could hear everything. I Mick Jagger singing right in my law. Um, you know, there's the Varsity. There's the Fox Theater. Uh, I used to be able to see uh, Biltmore, where we used to have churches in uh, Midtown, but now something else has come up. I used to also be able to see the hospital where I was born. I used to see what, what was Crawford Long, but now Ernst & Young is there, so I don't see that anymore. Um, on clear days, I can see Kennesaw Mountain. I can see it all the way out to Marietta, and you can just see it right there on the hur- It was a little hazy this morning, but usually I can see it. And so my view is very uh, important to me, and I see all kind of crazy stuff. I see, you know, when there's a wreck, I see when... And now the uh, on the other side of my building is the um, Center for uh, Civil and Human Rights. So anytime there's any kind of... Um, uh, protest or march in Atlanta, they always start right there. So a lot of times my building's just is on lockdown if there's anything's going on because there's there's a, a sea of people out there marching. And people ask, do you mind that? I'm like, no, that's that's the great thing about America. It's like that's part of our Bill of Rights is that we have the right to legally assemble and, and if you have a, uh, let your grievances be known or whatever. So I, I love being, even that's even my voting precinct. And it's, it's really... I love to walk across the street there and vote, and there's, you know, I'm looking at Dr. King, and like, it's just, it just feels like, wow, this feels really significant to vote at this. So I love, 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 and there's indigent people around, and there's panhandlers that ask me for money every single day. I mean, there's so many of them like, dude, I already, I already bought you dinner last night. I mean, I know these are my people. <laughs> when people say, are you scared of all these homeless people? I'm like, no, there's Leonard, and there's Bob, you know what I mean? Like, I know. I know them. What are you talking about? And um, I'm not afraid to live in the city. I, you know, I just love it, love it, love it. But now, what I did, what I didn't think would ever happen is because there's a building that's coming up, and it's a new high rise, and it's it's what they call a. I'd never heard this word before, but it's it's prescient architecture, and it's supposed to be the the wave of the future. It's a new way that they're building with lightweight steel, so that uh, it brings housing costs down. And so this is kind of like a um, an experiment to see how it goes, and it's a really cool building, but I, it never occurred to me that they could put it so far back on the property line. So it's not going to obscure my view, but it's going to definitely alter it. So every day, like they're at a place now where every week a new um, uh, floor is on it. It's going to be 17 stories. So I'm watching my view that I've loved for all these years, I'm watching it change every day, and I'm trying to figure out like, what am I gonna like when it comes out? What am I gonna see? You know, and I, I'm like driving down Spring Street to figure out like, how tall is that building gonna be? Because that's gonna, because it's gonna, like, l- let me tell you some of my history with it. there. You, when I first bought it, there was some ugly old building that was right there, kind of around what used to be Techwood Homes, and it used to block my view of Midtown. And one day, I actually said, I "I want that building to go so I can see my view. And so help me God, about three days later, I'm sitting, I hear this explosion. I look, and they imploded the building. I'm like, wow, that happened fast. (laughs) I got to be careful what I curse. (laughs) And I'm sure they had already made plans. It's just the timing of it was very fortuitous that I just happened to say it and I was like ah there it is there's Midtown thank you thank you ugly building so um so I've been thinking a lot about perception and how you see things I was thinking about I told you this but 
the first time I ever took Kent, Kent had never been to Chattanooga before he met me, and I took him up on Lookout Mountain. You know that uh, Point Park where you see that incredible view over what they call Moccasin Bend? I drove him all the way. It's, it's just spectacular. And uh, I took him all the way up there, and it was a really foggy day. You couldn't see anything. So we're standing up there. I said, you have no idea what's right there, but you can't see it. I'm trying to show him pictures on my phone, and he's like, okay. Well, then the next time we went up, it was clear, and he's like, oh, my God. I said, I know. That's why I was so frustrated that day, because I drove you all the way up here. Now, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And so what I'm learning every day, this building's going to be really cool, and they're building. It's a a state-of-the-art building. I'm going to be overlooking their big, ginormous pool, which is cool. I'm like, well, that's cool. My building doesn't have a pool, so I can look at y'all's pool. And so it's, I'm, I'm not mad at the building. I'm glad something's going in. I would have rather it been a Publix or something, but okay, whatever. Um, so I'm glad something beautiful's going on there. I just never thought they would build it that far back. I thought the way it was configured, it would be, I just thought my view would never be altered, and it is going to be. <coughs> so I'm having it used to the new way I see what I look at all the time. Now, just because this building is going up and I'm not going to see Atlantic Station anymore doesn't mean that Atlantic Station doesn't exist. And this is my point of what I'm talking about, at least today. Uh, The scriptures talk a lot about things like uh, faith is is the evidence of things not seen, or we walk by faith and not by sight, (laughs) or we look to the... uh, Unseen things, because the unseen things are eternal, the seen things are temporal. So there's a lot in the scripture about, <coughs> about there's more out there than what you see. I want to show you this scripture. This is in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 through 18, and it's, um, this is out of the message. <coughs> this is when the prophet Elisha was about to go into battle, and it was just him and his... Remember that joke uh, when the cavalry was coming after... I mean, the indigenous people were coming after the Lone Ranger, and Lone Ranger looks at Tonto and he says, what are we going to do? And Tonto says, we? Paleface? In other words, like, these are my people. I don't know what you're going to do. And uh, <clears throat> so there's this idea that <clears throat> you're abandoned. So what happens is... is uh, Elisha doesn't seem to be really upset about the fact that these warriors are coming uh, to kill them or whatever, whatever they, you know, those Old Testament people always killing and pillaging and and always saying God told them to do it. I'm like, y'all, God didn't tell y'all that. Um, But, um, yeah, especially when Moses said, all right, God told me, go into that city and kill all the men and the ugly old women but don't kill any beautiful young women god said that i know moses god didn't tell you that and you know good and well come on uh but anyway elisha's um servant says to him what are we gonna do and this is amazing what elisha says to him look he says um uh it says early in the morning a servant of the holy man got up and went out surprised horses and chariots surrounding the city. The young man exclaimed, Oh, master, what shall we do? He said, Don't worry about it. 
There are more on our side than on their side. Now, when you hear somebody say that, they really sound delusional. Have you ever heard? It's kind of like the disciples saying to Jesus, do you not care that we're perishing? You know, it's like, have you ever heard somebody that they don't seem to grasp the seriousness of the situation and you think, I don't think you understand. We're about to be killed. And he says, it says, don't worry about it. <laughs> there are more on our side than their side. Then Elisha prayed, and here's the most important thing I'm going to say to you all day. Oh, God, <clears throat> open his eyes and let him see. He did not pray for help. He did not ask God to send warriors. He didn't even ask for angels. He said, I pray that your eyes are open so that you can see what already exists. Let me show you this. Um, oh, it says, the eyes of the young man were open and he saw a wonder. The whole mountainside full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. They already existed. Elisha was a mystic. He was already tuned into another dimension. There are some people who see things that other people don't see. I uh, used this in a meditation one day last week. And I've read different accounts of this story. I'm not sure exactly who said it, but the story goes something like this. <clears throat> that Walt Disney died before the opening of Walt Disney World and Epcot Center. And I know Walt Disney had some, there's some weird things in his background or whatever, but you can't deny that the man was an amazing visionary. And uh, so somebody uh, said, one of the accounts I read, they said it to his widow. They said, it's, it's too bad that Walt wasn't alive to see this. To which she said, he already saw it. That's why it's here. Drop the mic. Now, whoever said that, that's powerful. He didn't have, do you hear this? He didn't have to live to see it because he already saw it. I mean, you could, if you ever listened to that last sermon that Dr. King did, you know, uh, one day this week was the anniversary of, he was, he was uh, assassinated on April 4th, 1968. And on April 3rd, I remember because it was my 10th birthday party, and I remember we stopped and watched it on uh, TV. You could tell he's already made peace with his death. He just has. He talks about the mountaintop, and he says longevity has its place. He says, I may not get there with you, but my, but, oh. I mean, nobody could say it like him, you know. <clears throat> when he said, my eyes have seen the glory. You don't have to. Once you've seen that, you don't have to wait in your lifetime to see it because here all these years later, there's still racism. There's still, I mean, we've had a president of color. You know, there's been some amazing things that have happened. But, you know, everything didn't happen exactly like people hoped it would with the Civil Rights Movement. Is it better? Oh, heck yeah, it's way better than it was. Are we there yet? No. But... That man, when you hear, 
when you hear that in his voice, you know, I've already seen it. It's like, oh, you're in another dimension. I, I don't want to overstate Martin Luther King, but let me explain to you what that's like. I remember um, one time years ago, I was, the the voice spoke to me, and there's always, anytime the when the voice speaks to me, especially if it's something I'm not thinking about, they, they become these profound things that shift my theological tectonic plates. And one day I wasn't thinking about Jesus. I wasn't thinking about the cross. I wasn't thinking about... I was probably watching TV. And clear as a bell, I heard the voice say, why did Jesus sweat drops of blood? I was like, what? What? The voice always asks me the strangest questions. Like, you know, sperm isn't seed. I'm like, what? What? And I can always feel like, oh, I'm about to go to another dimension. The, the diamond just shifted, and my life's about to change. I mean, let me tell you something. When, you're, when you are a seer, it takes a while. Like, you're on the, the point of things, and it takes a while for other people to see what you're seeing. I don't mean that to sound like I'm superior in any way. I can just tell you there are certain people who see things before other people see them. They just are. And it's, and it's a pain. Because it's a lo- sometimes it's a lonely existence. Because, you know, like I've said, um, what do Martin Luther King, uh, John F. Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, Gandhi, Malcolm X, and John Lennon all have in common? They were all assassinated. <laughs> so there's definitely something to be said for don't be a seer. <laughs> Seers get killed. And uh, that's why I've said I'm changing that reality. Like I want to be the first visionary that doesn't get assassinated for his vision. Can we, can we change that narrative? So, um, and I'm not trying to put myself in the category of those men. I'm just saying when you see things, it's hard. The, the humanity in you gets lonely for other, or longing for other people to see what you're seeing, which is why people like you become so important. I know in my life, it's like if you don't have some kind of confirmation that somebody respects what you're seeing, you just think you're crazy. I mean, when, when this servant says to Elisha, what are we going to do? And Elisha says, don't worry about it. There's more of us than there are of them. You can go like, one, two. No, there's not. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? So you start seeing things. The, the average, the, the bulk of society, does. they don't like vision. They don't want, because you know what? Vision changes you. And let me tell you something about vision. Once, once the genie's out of the bottle, she's not ever going back into that little round couch. You can't unsee it. Exactly. So, I'm not saying I'm about to be killed or anything like that. I just listen to, you know, when I hear King say that, you think, oh, back to the drops of blood. Here's the point. Because I thought, yeah, why, why did he do that? 
if you take it literally, why did he do that? And it suddenly it occurred to me, like, oh, the cross didn't kill him. He, as soon as he said, this isn't what I wanted, this isn't plan A, does anybody let this cut pass from me? But if not, then, you know, I'll go to the cross. Just when he made that decision, the death process started right then. He started bleeding. To me, that's so empowering because you think they nailed him to a cross. No, baby, he was bleeding before the first nail ever penetrated his flesh. And I'm saying that to say I can get my head around Martin Luther King's assassination because James already didn't kill him. He had already listened to his, his speech the night before. He said, I'm not going to get there with you, but I've already seen it. I've seen it so much that I don't have to wait to get there with you because I've already seen it. It's already a reality to me. Now, in your dimension, it may take 25, 30, 50, 60, 100 years for it to manifest, but one day with the Lord is as a thousand years. I've already seen it. I'm in, I can't unsee it. Do you understand that connection? Why did, why did the voice tell him, ask me, why did Jesus sweat drops of blood? Because the cross didn't kill him. Well, he even said, no man takes my life. I lay it down on my own accord. So Jesus wasn't victimized. The death was his idea. Now, having said that, let me show you. I've used this quote lots of times before, but William Blake was ah, so ahead of his time. And, but I, I love this quote. And I have a meme for it as well. It says, if the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear to man as it is, infinite. For man has closed himself up till he sees all things through narrow chinks of his cavern. I know that this is true. Real there's reality already there. Um. Before I ever met you, you posted something on something that I wrote about heaven. You said, what if, what if we're already here? We just haven't seen it yet. You posted something about it. You, were talk you posted something the other day about heaven and hell. You said, yes, that's what it was. He had because Eddie, I mean, a lot's happened with, you know, Eddie's friends and, you know, a lot. So it's, it's, it's made him introspective more introspective in a good way to where I, I mean I've, I don't always comment on it but I follow what you write and I, I think you know because Eddie's a seer and so some of his perception about heaven and he, what he's posted is what if we get to heaven and God says how was it um, well and but not if you don't see it not if you don't see it that and that's my point today, you can't see how good something is. Perception is reality. It just is. I've even, last night, talking to, I was talking to Jeremy and this other pastor, and we were a wide range of conversation. Uh, but a lot of it was spiritual. And um, we were talking about the whole argument that people get into over literal hell, and it's just such a deal breaker for so many people. And, and this one uh, pastor, he's kind of in his own dilemma about it. I said, well, you need to count the cost. I said, I lost more. When I said hell wasn't literal, I lost more people out of my church than I did when I came out. I mean, pe people, they love them, some devil and some hell. And you can, you can talk about, you can say heaven's a state of mind, they won't even blink. You say hell ain't real, them's fighting words. 
they want hell and they want it because there's somebody they hate somewhere that they want to go to hell. They're projecting their anger on somebody else. You believe in hell because of your mother-in-law or your ex-wife or your, uh, the person that raped you or whatever, the, whoever molested you or whatever. That's, that's why you need hell. And I get it. I wrote about this in my last book. Remember, I wrote about that man that literally ran over those kids in Covington and killed one of them. I'm friends with the, the dad on Facebook. I've known him for years. And, I mean, he was laughing when he ran over that kid and killed him. Right there on, right there on uh, uh, 285, I mean, uh, Covington Highway there in Covington. And um, at his trial, the mother of the little girl who was killed said to him, the Bible says there's a hottest place in hell for people like you, and I'm going to laugh when I see him throw you into it. Now, I know the Bible doesn't say that, but I understood a mother's passion because I felt it with her too. Even though theologically I couldn't support that, I'm like, I feel you. I hope you go, I, I, I want to laugh with you when he goes there. Do you understand? That's the human emotion that you think, I've, I've, got, to find some, I've got to find a way for the punishment to fit the crime. But then you read, you go to the, talk about a shift in perception. When Jesus goes to the uh, Beatitude Mountain, he says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, if you've hated your brother, you're a murderer. You've heard it said, do not put your wife away except for adultery. I say, if you fantasized about adultery, you've committed it. Well, he's changed everything then. Because now, it, then everybody's got to die. And I told them last night, because they were, they're still in that place where they're, arguing over hell and I see people that you know I, <laughs> I talked to Robert last week right there for it I said you and I are in such different worlds because you poke at people I said you like you ag it on I said I don't I don't want it I'm like to have to have this argument with somebody over like now I'm like go to hell enjoy all the hell <laughs> you want hell it up and you know maybe you're right I just don't want to argue with you about it anymore I'm just like I, I don't have the stomach for it and I told them last night, I said, you know, I'm nearly to the place now. I've studied enough about perception and the multiverse and all this kind of stuff. I'm thinking, you know what? Hell may be real for some people. Maybe there's some people that have visualized it. And in their reality, that's gonna, that is how it's going to play out for them. I mean, God will be to you as you believe he will be. To the forward, I will show myself forward. To the merciful, I will show myself merciful. It's all through the scriptures. You know, why was God... Why was God so easy on uh, David? David was a perv. He was. I'm telling you, David, this is long before pornography. He's going out watching a woman take a bath who is the wife of his devoted servant that serves him. He doesn't just have an affair with her. He brings her into the palace, makes her his, I don't want to say hoe, but makes him his, his woman, has the man, has the husband killed? What? And in David's old age, this is classic. It sounds like people I've been related to. He's, and he's old. He's like, I'm cold. I need a, a young, beautiful woman to lay in the bed and warm me up. I can't believe people actually, why didn't somebody say, can we just get you a blanket or a hot water bottle? No, I need it. I'm like, good Lord. And, you know, he's, when the Ark of the Covenant comes in, he's flashing the women and stripping off in front of them. And his wife, McCall, sees him out the window and 
says, you know, well, I saw you showing off to the women. He says, I'm going to do it worse. Next time I'm going to take my loincloth off. I'm going to let it all hang out. I mean, that's really what he's saying. I'm not trying to be irreverent, but when you read it, David was highly sexualized. The Bible says he's a man after God's own heart. What am I saying? Does God like adultery and killing people's husbands? No, but that's how David saw himself in God's eyes. And so God would just be like, <laughs> David, he's a man after my own heart. Other people would do that kind of thing and go to hell because they were, um, this is some very mature teaching, but it's why Paul said all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. I was related to and am named after somebody who is unfortunately known for sex scandals as much as he's known for the way he changed the world. And some of you were under his ministry for years. And he did pay a price in his body for some of the karma that he sent out. But I can tell you this, I talked with him a few days before he died. And I said, is there anything we need to say? I said, I want to apologize because I've said some things about you and it was none of my business. And I took the Earl off my name for a while because I just got tired of having to answer for you all the time. And, you know, but I was wrong to do that. I should have never judged you. And uh, do you need to make peace with anything? And he said, no. I'm good. He said, I've always loved what you do and you know, want you to be great for Christ or something. I'm like, really? I mean, what about don't do what I've done? He's like, no. So I fought a good fight. I'm like, wow. It makes me understand. And I'm not saying he got, I mean, he paid a price for some of his decisions. But John comes along. I'm not saying... John and Jesus were an item, but when you really read between the lines, John's laying on his bosom at the Last Supper. They're very tactile. I'm not sure it was coming from Jesus, but it was definitely coming from John. And he called himself, I know he likes y'all, but he loves me. I'm not saying, to, if you go out here and say, well, now Bishop said the Apostle John is gay. No, I'm just, just go read the Gospels without your religious goggles on and see what, see what you would say about it. John's like, he loves me. So John comes along and he says, uh, if our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence before God. If our heart condemns us, we do not have confidence. Now, what am I saying? Well, as long as I think it's okay, I'm okay. Well, kind of. I mean, that's what the Scriptures say. If you think God's a God of judgment and wrath, guess what you're going to get? Judgment and wrath. If you think God's going to send you to hell, guess what's going to happen? You may go to, you may create it yourself, but you're going to go, I won't be there. So, when people say there is one true God, yes and no. Yes, there is one true God but if there's seven billion people on the earth, there really are seven billion different gods. Because all every person has their own vision and perception. If you think that God's mad at you and is punishing you for something that happened, you're going to attract stuff to yourself that will become your own self-fulfilling prophecy. And you'll say, oh, I see, this is why I, I deserved this. I would... Uh, Talking to Greg last night, he's in training, Greg uh, that had us over, he's in training for um, 
to be a, a life coach. And in the terminology that they use in the school that he goes to, they use the term gremlin. He said sometimes when you get to a place, uh, an impasse, there's a gremlin. And it's, a gremlin is, it's what we used to call a demon, but it's like a, it's a thought that you have. It's not some spirit out there that's going to possess you like the exorcist. It's a, it's a, it's a wrong thought that you have that's just shut everything down. You can't get past the gremlin. Every time you nearly get somewhere, the gremlin doesn't let you get past it. And he said, and, and it's always about unworthiness. It's always, he said, every time you always connect the dots. Back. I said, well, I can tell you this. I've been counseling with people. I mean, I remember my ministry started when I was 13. I can remember my mom saying, Get off the phone and do your homework because I was on the phone with somebody every night counseling with somebody, leading somebody to Jesus. This morning as I'm getting ready and people are texting me, yes, I agree with you, whatever. I thought, I've been doing this every day of my life. I've been praying with somebody, agreeing with somebody, something every day. And I still do. I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying I have done this. My parents tell me I preach sermons that I don't even remember. I preached when I was in diapers. So I mean, I was... I'm doing what I was born to do. Um, I've been in that zone for years, but I told him, I said, the, the one thing, if I had to say one thing and out of all my counseling, the one common denominator that has kept people from receiving has been unworthiness. More than anything else is that sense of, I, I can't tell you how many times people tell me over the years, I love the positive message you preach. I don't disagree with it. I just, just don't feel like it's, for me like when you're talking about how great it could be I just think I'm not even if they don't say I'm not worthy that's what they're saying it's like I don't doubt it but when you talk about abundance something in me says I don't deserve abundance this is why my idea of the ministry has changed because I used to think well just give them a lot of scriptures and play wash by the word and you know let me pray for you and whatever if you don't think it's for you Jesus himself could come and tell you about it you just be like well, I know you're not talking, you're not talking about me. And it's because something somewhere along the line made you feel that way. Um, even, it, it was interesting, this thing that happened this week with uh, Joe Biden uh, has not been accused of um, technical sexual harassment, but definitely invading people's personal space. And then he tried to fix it with a video that kind of made it worse because it sounded like, well, you still don't understand. You don't understand what this does to people. Um, and he's trying, and it's, it's a generational thing, him trying to understand. That's why I'm kind of I'm halfway serious when I say to you now, ask the person next to you if it's okay to hug because you don't know what somebody's gone through. You know what I mean? You don't know. And... This is what abusers have to understand. Because even, and you know, Lord knows, I, I love Barbara Streisand as much as a white gay man of my demographic can. <laughs> I mean, you, you couldn't love her any more than I do. But she said, she, last week, uh, was, she was in an interview about the Michael Jackson uh, movie that came out, and she's nearly ruined her following. Because she just said, she basically said, it wasn't that big a deal. He didn't kill, you know, he didn't kill him. And they were able to marry and go, and I thought, oh, Lord, sweet Jesus, Barbara. 
I mean, I still love her and can quote every word to Funny Girl, with, but I'm like, oh, Barbara, how do you, do people just get crazy after 70 and just say insane things? <laughs> but, but to trivialize sexual abuse is to say, no, you don't understand what you took away from somebody. It, was, it wasn't, it's an indefinable thing that sometimes it takes people years to even realize what it did to them, if ever. And so there's no way, even an attempt at an apology, I mean, you can try it, maybe it would help people get some closure, but the bottom line is you have to just say, no, this just sucked that this happened, and I'm going to own it, and I'm going to, uh, be proactive and let it make me stronger, but don't trivialize it. Don't dismiss it and say, well, you know, maybe you're just inappropriately touched and maybe you, maybe you misunderstood. Like, no, 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 don't make it less than it was. I don't want, I don't want to live in a world where everybody dramatizes everything and lives in victim mode, but I also don't want people to just be dismissed and say, oh, that's just the way men are. No, that's ridiculous. Sometimes I think, what the hell is wrong with men? I know I'm being too. But you know, I lo- you're gonna have to. You're gonna- well, no, this you know, this whole Me Too movement. I'm like, good God, is there anybody else? And you look at these people. Like, I always loved Charlie Rose. I always thought Charlie Rose is. I'd love to show whatever. And I'm sorry. Taking off his 75-year-old man taking off his clothes and walking around in front of women like women want to see his 75-year-old naked body. First of all, women aren't that visually stimulated anyway, which men don't understand. Like, yeah, it's a big thing now, millennials to, you know, send pictures of, you know. Guys, you're idiots. That's, there's not a woman in the world that goes, oh, baby. It's like, you are crazy. <laughs> I tell you what's hot, pay her rent. That's, <laughs> you'll be like, come on. <laughs> but I just think, Charlie, you're, such, you're, you're like this intellectual. How did you not know, how did you think that was a good move? Like, are you that arrogant that you think, oh, th- here's a good thing. I'm just going to take my clothes off, walk around. Like, that's not going to work with women if you're young and hot. People just think, you're cra- go put your clothes on. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm just shocked at some of the things that, pe- that people think is normal. <laughs> what? <laughs> Did I go too far again? I'm sorry. I hope I haven't offended anybody. Uh, I, I forgot my age demographic in here. My, my apologies. Uh, but... Here's the bottom line. If you think there's something wrong with you, things are going to happen in your life that are going to confirm to you that something's wrong with you. If you think, it's like the, the quote that says, whether you think you can or can't, you're right. And it's really, that's really all it is. You can't make it more than that. If you think you're worthy People are going to treat you like you're worthy. Even last night, I had, I'd, I'm, I had a great birthday. I was totally happy. I heard, I heard from everybody this year. I heard from, every, I mean, even people that I thought, I didn't think you, 
like me. I'm like, what? I mean, I really thought, is this my last birthday? Why am I, like, am I here? I mean, last year was a milestone. I didn't hear from everybody. This year I heard from every, people I hadn't heard from since seven. People I went to grammar elementary school with were, uh, they had a page wishing me happy birthday. I'm like, what the heck? So last night, the last thing I'm thinking of is we didn't celebrate enough. I'm like, no, I'm good. They come walking out with candles on the cake again. And so I took the picture. I said, one more celebration. What can I say? I posted on Instagram, and Avery said, say you are loved. I thought, all right, then fine. We're going to celebrate my birthday every day and not feel guilty about it. You know, somebody says, you're over-celebrated. I'm like, sorry you perceive that. <laughs> What's that? Exactly. Right. Well, I went in to work out, and uh, Stephen wasn't here last week because Isha had to fly out early. So uh, I said, oh, I just I thought you didn't care about my birthday. He said, no, I was looking forward to that cookie, actually. And uh, he said, uh, he, but he said, and he's right, he said, but really, you should act like every day is your birthday and not try to make one. And I said, you're exactly right. So, but it's this idea of, I don't want anybody to do anything good for me. That's ridiculous. I, I remember when, uh, w- when the church was big and I would appoint somebody to be a care pastor, I would say, I, I see some pastoral uh, strengths in you, and I th- I'd like you to consider doing this. Half the time, people would just be shocked. They'd be like, I can't believe you think that about me. I'm like, I can't believe you can't believe it. Like, how, are you, how is that not obvious to you? You clearly are compassionate, and you're a leader, and pastoring doesn't mean preaching necessarily. It means shepherding people. But how do you not see that about yourself? I was always surprised that people were surprised. Because to me, it was so obvious, you know? When you're a I guess when you're a seer, you see people's gifts and you don't notice what they think is negative. Um, who was it? I gotta wrap this up, but who was it the other night saying who we what was it on it wasn't on American uh, American Idol. Who was it that sang my favorite song? Oh, I know, it was, um, what's his name, Buble, Michael Buble. I'm, I'm, I've never been a huge Michael Buble fan, but his, his uh, special was on the other night. I thought, you know, he, I really like this guy because he's confident without being like lounge, lizardy, jerky. And he's kind of, huh? He's kind of Frank Sinatra-ish, but he's not doing an impersonation. And, and he just, he covers the, great American songbook. He doesn't really overdo You know, he just kind of sings them, and it's good. I thought, no, this is, this is good. There's an actual orchestra that's playing. I really like this special. It's just him just going out and singing. He's not trying to do stupid skits. He's not trying to be Carol Burnett or something. It's just like, this is really good. This is good. And at the end, he um, sang a song to his <clears throat> wife, and it's, Possibly my favorite pop song. It was written by Leon Russell years ago called A Song for You. And it says, um, I've been so many places in my life and time. I've sung a lot of songs. I've made some I've made some bad rhymes. I've acted out my life in stages. 
with 10,000 people watching. But we're alone now, and I'm singing this song for you. And then this lyric, oh, it says, <clears throat> I know your image of me. is what I hope to be. And this goes back to seeing. Some people don't see how beautiful they are, how special they are, how intelligent they are, how smart they are. You know, for years I used to end a service with, you're blessed when you come in, you're blessed when you go out, you're blessed in the city, you're blessed in the country. And that, there, that has a certain energy on it that I like, and sometimes I still do it. So there, Something is created when Scripture is quoted. I get that. But you know what's equally as holy? Is to end a service and say, you're beautiful, you're smart. You're valuable. You're worthy. You're intelligent. I need a Scripture for that. No, you don't. No, you don't. My prayer for you, Elisha says, open his eyes and let him see. My prayer for you is that the Spirit will open your eyes and let you see. To see him, to see the world, to see your life, to see yourself. Let's all stand. BJ, can you play the outro or do, or do we just need to skip it? Oh, I'm Michelle, okay, then you got it. Contributing to Metron is quick and easy. You can give anytime using any smartphone. Text the amount you'd like to donate to 404-620-5044. You will then receive a notification that you successfully completed your donation. You may also visit bishopthenow.com and click the support tab to give there as well. When you contribute to Metron, you're also donating to the charity or organization of the month. Thank you for your investment into Metron. If you're making a check, make it JSM. If you have cash, just pay it forward and bless somebody. I love you very much. Peace.